Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at MarksDailyApple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at PrimalBlueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we have an extraordinary life coach on the show, and we've had a few coaches on in the past, but they've mostly been women. And I really want to keep offering these podcasts because while we're all working on, you know, maybe diet and lifestyle and the primal aspects of, you know, physical health, you know, the mental, emotional aspects are really important too. And I just feel that you could be physically healthy, but be mentally miserable and unfulfilled in life. And I, I really want everyone to explore realizing their dreams and finding their life's purpose. And with that, I would love to welcome to the show, my life coach of 10, 12 years, I think, Jeffrey Brownstein. Welcome to the show. Hey, Al. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, I tell the story of meeting you in my book, which is I was looking for a life coach 10, 12 years ago. And I did some research online and I had really been into sort of the whole creating your reality using intention. And I wanted sort of coaches that had, you know, were up on law of attraction type of uh, thinking. And I went and had free consults with three coaches. You were the third one and the first two were women. And uh, my session with you, I got more out of my quick free session with you than I did with the others. And I just resonated with you so much. And since then, you know, you've been my coach and as coaching works, some people may not realize it's not necessarily once a week or twice a week. It's kind of when you need it. And you've always been there for me. And I wanted to share you with everyone. Let's, uh, let's start with what got you down this path. You've been a life coach for a long time, but what started this journey? I'm grateful for you, Al, just so you know that too. I wanted to say that you've been my longest standing client, actually. Clients come and go some last years, but you've been around for over a decade, as you mentioned. I really appreciate that. Oh, well, I'm ecstatic about it myself. So there's your props for the morning, you know? <laughs> awesome. Um, so yeah, I, I um, you know, it, it's amazing where I'm at now. It probably has a lot to do why I started in coaching with where I'm actually at now, but um you know, like everybody in the world, probably. I didn't have an easy life growing up. Um, I, I dealt with stuff. Do you want to hear a story about it? Because it is how I got into coaching. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So I was young. I was 15, 16 years old. My parents got divorced like a lot of parents did. And I had a real falling out with my mother. I still don't talk to her just as an aside, but that's, you know, that's life and it's okay. Um, but I had a real tough time, you know, just fighting and everything was a battle and my life was really difficult. It was hard as a, as a teenager and, you know, going into college. And what I did was at that point, everything was so difficult in my life, fighting and battling. And, you know, I was a good kid, you know, for the most part, but I felt like I was, you know, I was a criminal. My mother would have made you think I was a criminal. Um, and I, I, um, I had such a hard life that I made a choice and doing my own coaching work. I realized that back when I was an adolescent college age person, I made a choice that nothing in my life was ever going to be difficult anymore. So what I did was I took the easy way out. Everything I did with work, I, I, I got into sales cause I have, you know, I have a gift for gab. I, I'm very persuasive. I, I just have a natural sales person personality. So I took the easy way. I was able to get into sales, make good money and not have to work very hard at it. And after 20 20 to 25 years of doing that, I started thinking like, my life really stinks. And and I don't mean that in a bad way. (laughs) Everything, I'm always positive, Elle, you know that. But my life was just not going down the direction that I was 
looking to have it go. And, and I was always into this new age, you know, a lot of people would call it woo woo stuff. It's not anymore, but I was always into this new age. How do I make my life better? Everyone should do something they love. You know, I don't know if you remember the old book, do what you love, the money will follow. I think it was Martha, Marsha, Sinatar or something, but I I agree with that phrase (laughs) a long time ago. I read, see, I don't, people will know how old I am now. I read that a long time ago, but, um, you know, that was always something that just kept resonating with me. It kept coming back and kept coming back. So finally I I went and I took an ICF, which is the international coach federation course, um, through a company called IPEC. They were in New Jersey where I lived and grew up and, and I did two years worth of, you know, I didn't get my coaching certification and, and this isn't to put anybody down, but I didn't get it like a lot of coaches do where they, they do a weekend and they get a certificate because there's not a lot of regulations surrounding coaching, as you probably know. But yeah, you can do it in a three day seminar. Like I've seen that before. You yeah. can get a PhD in a three day seminar. I've heard I'm going to try that next. Yeah, that's well. Now that you've let me know that, I'm going to work have, on that later I know today. Somebody that did it. You can get it over the. Anybody can put anything on a piece of paper, and you can show it and say you're a PhD. But oh, so boy. I took a, I took a probably a year and a half to two year training with with IPEC and got my coaching certification and actually got. I wouldn't say a weekend degree. It took me about a year, but I got another degree in metaphysics. So I also got a bachelor's in metaphysics over a year studying because I was all into the you know into that. I call it the cool woo stuff, you know, the stuff that working with energy. And that's what, you know, you talk about LOL. That's what it's all about. It's being in touch with energy. And so um, that's how it started. And that's it. Well, after the coaching, I know you, and, and let's talk about Landmark. Landmark Forum is a very popular, uh, I know you were once involved in it, or that was part of your journey as well. And that's something that's a popular thing in Los Angeles, the Landmark Forum. It's a, it's a, how would you describe it? And, and what was your experience with it? You know, I had, I can tell you how I started. It's, it's been, I wrote a book as you did, you know, I wrote a book called the nature of life. And in my book, I dedicated one of my, you know, other than dedicating to family and, and deceased relatives and things like that. I, I, one of my dedications was to landmark education, which is what their the landmark form is the first course in their education, but landmark education is the whole thing they do. I mean, it's a lot more, there are seminars, there are um, you know, other courses that they do tons of them. But I had a guy in my, in my sales job at the company I worked for say, Hey, he knew I was into all this stuff about energy and, you know, living the best life possible. And he came up to me once a salesperson, a colleague of mine said, Hey Jeff, you know, I, I know you're into this stuff. He said, there's this thing. Have you ever heard of the landmark forum? And I said, no, I didn't know what it was. And I researched it and it, it sounded great. So I, um, you know, I like to tell, you know, my wife, Allison, as well, a little bit. And I dragged her to this landmark forum. She still to this day says, you know, I went, she went for me. Like she was going to help me out. She thought it would be helpful. And she got more out of it probably than I did. But it's really getting people together in a room. Um, it's an all day thing. It's very intensive. It's it's really, um, you know, you're there and you think you show up and you think you're going to have fun and you're sitting there for 12, 13 hours over a weekend on a, on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday and then come back on a Tuesday. And what it does is it really digs deep. It it takes things that are in our blind spots. I think that's the way I would explain it. It takes a lot of stuff that we kind of live with on a day to day basis and we aren't aware of things that have become ingrained in us. And it really takes those blind spots and makes them visible so that we can finally have some real severe breakthroughs. And 
and get to creating a life because with all that stuff in the way, L, you know, if you've got stuff in the way that you can't see, you're, you're not going to create anything much. And, and that's what Landmark helps with. It's fabulous. Yeah, and people have uh, known a lot of transformations through that. Uh, let, let's explain, or in your words, how would you explain the difference between traditional therapy and life coaching? They're very different. I obviously prefer one over the other. They're all valid forms of seeking help. But how would you describe that and make that distinction? They are. That's, that's actually a good question. It's a question that I have to explain a lot to new clients in particular because People, people, you know, come to therapists and they come to coaches a lot of times, not because their life is great, because they have some issue that they want. There's some pain that they're dealing with. So they, like you mentioned, they can go either route. Um, I would start L by saying that therapy is great. It's, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful modality for people with clinical, you know, if you've got schizophrenia, if you've got, and I'm, I'm, I can't treat any of those. So I don't even know to begin how to talk about those. But if you've got major depression, if you've got something that needs medication, I'm not a big medicine guy personally, but if you've got something that, you know, you just can't treat through verbal consultation alone, a therapist is a route to go. That said, what I have learned and found over my dozen years in coaching is that 90% or more, I would say it's more like, I'd say 98%, but the, the, you know, the jargon is 90% of the people do not need a therapist that go to one. They would do just fine with a life coach. So the difference is therapy starts with a premise that something is wrong. There's something not only wrong, like people have a pain, but there's actually something wrong with them that needs long-term treating, you know, um, digging back into the past and regurgitating and reiterating every piece of your life that ever went wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, that, that is technically when it takes a, a lot longer to get to where you need to go because of that past delving into that, that often accompanies therapy. I think therapists, you know, and therapists have been, again, they've got great education, but they've also been conditioned to believe that that you need to do that. You can't move forward unless you just dig out every skeleton and bone. And and, and there's some merit to that. I mean, even in coaching, we deal with the past. But, you know, to, to give you the comparison, when someone comes to me with, you know, with a coaching issue and says, hey, Jeff, you know, I this is not so great in my life. I make them aware right away that there is nothing wrong with them. This is just like there's nothing wrong. You know, we may have to go back into the past. We may have to, you know, look at some things to help you break through long term patterns and blockages and stuckness and stuff that's there. But for the most part, coaching starts with the premise that everything is just fine. I, not that I don't care about your past, but let's not talk about that right away. Let's start right here and right now. We know why you're here. We know how you got here. Where do you want to go? And let's put a plan in motion to help you get there. And that's the part that therapy obviously doesn't do much of. They're trying to cure something. Life coaching is not trying to cure anything. It's trying to get a person to bridge the gap, as I call it, from the place they are to the place they want to go in whatever area of life. It could be health, relationships, career or spirituality, things like that. You know, it's, it's great. Yeah, and I know that you you not only coach individuals, you work with couples. I know that's one of your favorite things to do. Um, I've learned so much from you over the years. And I mean, even coaches need coaches, right? I never thought I'd be a coach when we were first coaching, and then I became one. And, and I know you probably, in moments in your life, have a coach, a fellow coach you talk to, because we always... I have a session with my kick-ass coach at 2 o'clock today. How's that? 
Yeah. See, you know, and what I love about that is because even, you know, most of the time now, as you know, because I don't call you that often, but I can coach myself. And then there's moments where you need an unbiased perspective. And now you're not uh, totally unbiased. You know me well enough to understand where I'm coming from. But it's really great to just be able to. And I also want to share with the audience something hilarious. You and I've never met in person, which is hysterical. But, but, but that's also another great thing. You don't need to be in the same city. You don't need to drive somewhere. You know, this is a phone call. And, um, I have called you uh, screaming and crying in in a horrible state of ego. I've I've had those calls to you. I've had calls where I'm I'm things are on fire and going in a good direction, and I want to talk about different aspects. I mean, it's not always calling you because things are down, but it's nice to know that someone's always there. And one of the things I love is all the different perspectives you can get from someone who, when it's removed like that, um, and you've kind of given me new ways of thinking about things. I want to kind of mention a brief, kind of a little silly story, but I find it really cool because, you know, when talking about creating one's reality, um, you've bought and sold many houses over the years. (laughs) And I remember you were moving to California at one point and uh, from the East Coast, and you were making a declaration. It was a really tough market to sell homes. In fact, my mom was trying to sell her home at the time in Chicago and like couldn't do it for a year. And I remember you were like, all right, I'm making a deadline, uh, three months. And, uh, you said, you know, you called the date out. It was like October 1st or something like that. And then whatever time went by. And one of the things I liked about your perspective is when we were talking, I asked you about how the selling of the house was going and you had said, you know, you go, yeah, I made a little bit of a breakthrough. I switched my perspective and I really love this. Instead of focusing on selling the house and what your needs were about it, I remember you were like, I started to think about the person who was going to move in here and their perspective and looking out the window and what they might think for the first time. Maybe this is a great upgrade for them, the house that I'm selling. And just shifting that perspective, even in a house sale to something outside of yourself and shifting it into like that other, I thought was just such a, again, a unique, great way of thinking of an intentional situation, something someone wants to manifest. And then what happened was, is you sold your house and we had talked about, like about the day before October 1st. And I think I reminded, I said, you, I said, oh my gosh, Jeff, you, you said October 1st and you had even forgotten that you had made that declaration. And we had that moment where you were like, oh my gosh, you're right. It's like the day before I did declare that a couple of months ago, you sold your house in three months. And I knew several people that year who struggled and struggled because their attitude was what a terrible market. No one's buying. These buyers are all terrible. It was all this like negative chatter and you really turned it around and made it a positive thing and sold your house in three months and no one was selling their house then. So I love all of those little nuances that a new perspective, a coach can even within your own story made me think of something in a, in a way, a different way. And you reminded me of it. And I, and I don't want to correct you because you have such a great memory, but I want to share this because it's important with manifestation. If I may, um, I had picked the date of October 4th was the date and I wanted to sell my house. I actually sold it. We sold it on November 4th. And I don't know if you remember that. It's, 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 a, it's 10, 15 years ago almost. So I got and I don't remember all of it, but I don't know if you remember. It took one extra month to the day. So the date I created, the three month date, I think would have been October 4th. If I remember, we sold it on November 4th and you reminded me that's 100 percent right. I had forgotten about it. I'm like, oh, I didn't sell it on the date that I was complaining, you know, like, oh, I said October 4th. I didn't sell it on that date. November 4th rolled around and we sold it. And then you reminded me and I went, wow, it was the fourth. It was just a month later. And I realized, as you know now, El, with law, law of Attraction is, 
my allowing mode was trying to push everything. So I created, I had a positive belief. I'm like, like you said, I created the buyers coming in, loving the place, um, you know, all, everything perfect until I got into my crazy, I'm going to do everything better than the universe mode. And I went ballistically nuts. I put a sign on the lawn. If the house didn't sell in two days, I'd move it to the other side of the lawn. Oh, that didn't work. I'll stop the price and I'll put it in red, you know? And I was, I was taking over the job of the universe and it was, oh my God, L, such a wonderful lesson. Everything you said, true. The manifestation worked to the day and it gave me a great lesson of when you push and you don't allow in the process of law of attraction, when you do everything you can do and you don't sit back and let the universe handle the rest, it's going to give you what you want, but we get in the way and it may take a little longer. And my God, right out one month, that's, that's a great lesson. And with my experience in general, too, with law of attraction and, and creating one's reality, again, when you, like you said, you try to control, you're limiting an otherwise unlimited universe when you try to control the how of everything. And oftentimes when you let go of it, it is delivered in a way that is better and even more incredible than you could have planned and uh, catered yourself. Yeah. And, and I'll share, you know, another thing in my own coaching right now, in my own coaching business, I, and I've mentioned this to you, I'm very, you know, I'm very big right now. My big, my big niche is life purpose and life calling. And I'm very career oriented. I, I really try to help people that are in soul sucking jobs, as I call it, to transform out of that and get into soul singing jobs where they can sing their life song. And, and, you know, like a lot of people, like they don't die with their song inside them still. That's so huge. It's such a passion of mine. Um, but what I was going to say is that I'm doing a project right now um, a program called My Time to Shine under my, my, my company is Life Purpose U, like university. But I'm doing a program called my, my Time to Shine. And I've been lamenting with my coach. I'm like, I spent a week, L, a whole week that I was supposed to be doing coaching assignments. I was going to say she is going to kick my butt today at two o'clock because I haven't done any of my coaching assignments. But um, <laughs> I, I spent the whole week just lamenting over what name should I use? Should I change the name of my business? Is this perfect? Is this right? And she wrote me back something just like you said in our, co you know, we do email coaching too. And she wrote me back and said, Jeff, let the name go. The universe will, as you create your program, the universe will give you the name, give it a break, you know? Yeah. And, and it did. Let's talk about, uh, following one's life purpose and, and finding that, you know, so many people, I mean, I am, so grateful and lucky. I feel I'm living my life's purpose. I love everything that I do, even though what I'm doing right at this moment is technically, quote, work. It's not to me. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, everything I do is so much fun. I wish that upon everybody. Uh, not that everybody wants to do what I do, but just that I wish that upon everybody because it is um, what I have found. It's a little bit rare and it's a really fun place to be because it does feel like a special uh, a special, exciting place. Cause there are a lot of people who, like you said, feel like they're in soul sucking jobs. And I want that for everyone too. Where does God, where do you start on that? Or do you have, um, you know, what's a good example of someone you coached who was in a soul sucking job and then found their life's purpose? Yeah. We, well, you start, I'll answer the first part of that first. Well, you start with, you know, you have to admit that you've sold out somewhere and, and you know, some people we know, you know, um, that's people tough. Don't, 
people don't want to admit that they made maybe the wrong choice or they made something that was less than they deserved. You know, everybody wants to think that they're rolling along and their life is perfect. But you start at the place where, you know, growing up, when we came into this world, we were just these incredible beings that would look around and we'd touch everything, everything within our sight. We'd grab it. We'd we'd play around with it, you know, and then parents said, don't touch that. Don't do that. And, you know, and you start to get conditioned and, um, you know, my wife's a good example, actually, just to someone to talk about. I mean, she's an artist and my God, you know, her parents are great. They're very supportive. But when she wanted to tell them she wanted to go to art school and be an artist, oh, you can't make a living being an artist. You know what? Well, you got to do something else. And she became an accountant. And, and, you know, I don't have to tell you that's pretty two polarizing careers right there, art and accounting. <laughs> right. So, so you have to understand that you were conditioned and you've, Again, I always use the word pain, not that we ever want to see anybody in pain, but when the pain of doing something one way becomes too much. I think Tony Robbins is a big, you know, he's a big pain pleasure kind of guy in what he teaches. And, you know, when the pain of what you've been doing becomes so much, then you go back and you take a look at why did I make some of these choices? So when I coach people, I start at a place and I said, so tell me about your work. What are you doing? What have you done? What career choices have you made along the way? And, and I go back and I ask them very open-ended questions about, oh, that's interesting. Why did you choose that job at that company? And they say, well, you know, I needed to pay my bills and I took it. It was good money. And I said, well, that's good. And, and 15 years later, they're still doing the same thing and they've never questioned what they truly wanted. They're still in a job, you know, 15, 20, sometimes 50 years later, you know, they're in a job they don't like because of that one decision they made back when they were 25 years old and they never reexamined it. So it's really getting people in touch with what makes their heart sing and then doing little things. You know, it's not to say, I'll drop your job and go do this completely different thing and quit your job and run away. Do it in pieces. Start to do things you love. And then the universe, as you pointed out, will give you will start to show you the way and give you more things you love. And that very often turns into a career that people can sing about. Yeah. And on that note of even your your wife, Allison, taking the accounting job and, and a lot of people. And I understand this because, see, I was on this train, too, after college. It was like, I'm going to go get a law degree. I'm going to go make this much money as a lawyer. I'm going to retire at this age. Like, it was a whole planned out thing, and it was all based on logical slash, quote, reality things. That need. Practical. It was, right? yeah, yeah, practical, logical. And, you know, that never works out, and that's why I got a lot of lawyers who hate their job three years in and regret, regret it. Why did you choose law? Like, why were you going to do law? I'm curious now. So you got me curious. Well, you know, I actually uh, love the law and I was always really fascinated with it. Um, But again, what I really realized down the road was, and I'm very glad I didn't go there. uh, I did apply to law school a couple of times in my life. I, I you know, have a philosophy degree. I love the philosophy of law. I love discussing it. I'm fascinated by it. But that's not really what your job is as a lawyer. And I really realized over time that it was the theoretical, interesting discussions about law. You know, uh, it also was something where I wanted the power of attorney. You know, there's a lot of times in life when you might need an attorney for a variety of things, not even necessarily negative things, right? Not like just because you're being sued, but whatever. You buy a house, you do this, you need a lawyer. And I thought it would be great to have that power of attorney. But at the end of the day, you know, to spend over a hundred grand in three years of one's life to just have a stamp on a piece of paper that allows you to do a few things was not really worth it. And I was accidentally brought out of it. Um, I, and I didn't get into law school actually to the ones I applied to. So it made the decision for me, but I, again, it was really practical. It was about, it was about fear of security 
of financial security. And it was like, okay, this is the most secure direct route and probably something I'd be really good at, which I think I would be a great lawyer. But again, I'd be also be a great producer, a great agent. There's a lot of things I'd be good at that I don't want to do. And I think that's the thing too, is people look at all the things they're good at or what they could do. And they look at that as a potential, but it's like, yeah, but do you want to do it? Because do you know how many times in life I've been told like, oh, you'd be a great this, you'd be a great that, you know, thanks, but... I don't, I don't really want to do that. But again, a lot of people are going for the practical. That is so huge that you said that. I mean, that's and that's that's one of the keys coaching people about that. And you said it perfectly. Just because you're good at something doesn't mean it's something that is going to make your heart sing. And boy, I mean, you know, I'm going to have you coach my next client. You did so well with that. That was a great <laughs> way to put it. Hi, Brad Kearns here, sounding crisp and clean in my new closet recording studio. And here's an exciting commercial. I know we're kind of sick of commercials, especially on podcasts. I want that niche content. I can watch commercials on TV or listen to them on the radio. But if it's my voice, here's my rule. If there's a commercial, it's something that I absolutely love and totally believe in. Seriously. So you're going to hear a lot of primal commercials, of course. But this commercial is for Audible, the audiobook listening service. I love these guys. They've absolutely changed my life because I'm getting a big, giant stack of books next to my bedside with great intentions, falling behind because I'm too busy all day reading a screen, writing and editing books, and just generally not inclined to pick up a book and read. But I have plenty of time on the audio side when I'm out there exercising or traveling in my car, and Audible has a wonderful selection of audiobooks, especially The Keto Reset Diet, New York Times bestseller, which I had the great pleasure of reading. Same with Primal Endurance, so much fun in the recording studios. And if you order these Audible books, you'll get all kinds of value added and asides and tangents where I go off on stuff that's not on the book script, so an extra enhanced reading experience. But try it out, especially because the opening is so enticing. You get a free month to listen to actual full-length audiobooks for free and see how you like it. You can send a book to your friend and they can listen to it for free. And they also have monthly membership options for the price of a few expensive coffees where you can accumulate points. You don't have to use them at any certain pace, but you get a point or whatever per month that credits you toward books. You can listen to the books at your own pace. It's very affordable. You can listen on multiple devices, and it picks up where you left off. You can listen at 1.5 speed, which I particularly enjoy because I can listen to more books, and I don't miss anything. When I put it at 1.5, sometimes 2.0 is too past, but it's a really good book. I'll go to 1.5. Okay, you with me? Go to audible.com slash primal to try it out, or text the word primal to 500-500. Thank you. And now back to the show. You've obviously found your life purpose, but also you you switched over. Like you said, you had been in sales for 25 years, so you weren't some young chicken, you know, changing. You were changing midway, right? So it's never too late. And I love bringing up Louise Hay, the founder of Hay House, you know, the the publishing company and also the the you know self help empire. She started her life at 60. You know, she started that at age 60. It's never too late. Yeah. That's another thing too, right? I'm sure there's a lot of people that think. Well, I'm already in this and, you know, it's too scary to look at something else. And so they'd rather just settle for status quo and whatever they think of as, quote, security. But what I find funny about that is most people who are in corporate jobs, accounting, whatever, those are all at will, you know, those are at will employment. There's a false sense of security in our country of employees, right? They, it's like this, if I'm loyal to this company, 
then I'll get something in return. And then you see all those people get laid off by AT&T after 40 years, two years before their pension. And they're going, hey, wait, wait a minute. I've been loyal here with my husband for 40 years. And they're like, sorry, Charlie, we're a company. It's at will. We don't owe you anything. And so I think that sense of security is still a false one anyway. Do you know what I'm getting at there? I do. And you brought up something. Oh, my God, totally. So it's and the sense of security, you, you touched on this, too, Alan. This is so huge. You, you mentioned that, you know, it's at will and, and it's part of my coaching program and it's part of everything I do with my career, you know, clients. Everything is a choice, L. Every single thing we do and people need to own that and they don't own it. They say, well, I have to go to work and I have to make a living. And my first comment is, no, you don't have to go to work. You don't have to get up in the morning. Who's did, did someone come and shackle you and put you in a bus and drag you to work? No, you got in your car, you started it, you drove up the highway and you, and you pushed the elevator button, you know? So everything is a choice. And when, when people start to own that, wow, I did make a choice. Brushing your teeth is a choice. That's a more, you know, it's kind of a more ego habitual kind of thing that we have to do, but it's still a choice. If I want to go a month and not brush my teeth, I can choose to do that. I won't have friends, but it's a, um, it's a good thing you're remotely coaching clients. Touched on that. And my God, you're so onto it. That is so huge that, and, and when, when people start to own that everything they do is a choice and they start to see it in that light, they can now get off of the fact that they're a victim. They can make that shift from I'm a victim. This is how my life turned out. There's nothing I can do about it anymore to know you really are making a choice and you have the opportunity and availability to make different choices that are going to make you a heck of a lot more smiley than you are going to this job for the next 10 years. Yeah. And I, it's so interesting the, you know, going back to things like accounting or these positions and this, uh, a lot of, uh, let's talk about creative stuff. Cause you mentioned your wife being an artist. So again, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be in a creative profession when I was young, but it was always sort of, even though my parents supported the arts, it still is a general thing for anyone out there in the world. You're bound to run into people that just, look at you like you're crazy. You know, oh, I want to be a singer. I want to be an artist or I want to be an actor. And they look at you like, good luck with that. That is such a reaction you often get. So often it takes a really not only thick skin, but I started to, and I started to get some heat from family and stuff over the years when I, you know, people were like, you know, maybe you should, you know, how long are you really going to pursue this writing thing? I hear that, you know, how long are you really going to, you know, follow your dreams, essentially what they were saying. And I, you know, it was upsetting. I probably called you a couple times about some reactions that I'd gotten from people, but you know, then what I decided to do, and I mentioned this on another podcast, um, all of the negative Nancy, Debbie Downer, sorry for those names out there. You're probably good people, but you know, those terms, you know, these (laughs) negative people out there. And what I decided to do was anytime someone expressed to me a doubt about my success, like whether it was a look or whether it was something they said, you know, because I've mentioned it before, I've told people like, Oh, what do you do? I'm a writer. And then I've literally heard this. So are you a writer who actually makes money at it? Or are you one of those writers that like sits at the Starbucks, but you like wait tables for a living? Seriously, that came out of someone's mouth. And I said to them, I said, would you ask the same thing of a real estate agent? Would you say, do you just have your license or do you actually sell houses and make money at it? And they go, oh, well, that's different. I go, no, it's not. And so not only did I start to kind of, you know, call people on it a little bit, but then I started to really realize that every single one of those people, I was like, oh, every time someone does that to me, I take it as you just fueled my success. You just fueled my success by doubting and not believing in me 
you just propelled me to a whole new level. And so I welcome it now. I'm like, every time someone offers me that kind of like kickback, I just think to myself, bingo, you just made me win again. That's my belief. Do you know what? And you brought up, and do you know what? I just read this somewhere recently. I don't remember where, but exactly in line with what you're saying, when, whenever anybody, um, whenever anybody gives you pushback like that, like, my, and I'll give you my dad, I hope he, well, he can listen to this. He knows I'm open with him. I've told him this. So even my own father to this day, I'm coaching for 12 years, making money from it, doing well. And he's, he still says to me, how much are you making from that? Are you making the same as you were making in your sales? And it's like, well, he's still yeah, doubtful, you know? right? <laughs> yeah. But what I was going to say was when people confront us L, when, when anyone confronts us and when anyone plays like the naysayer, like you were saying and says, you know, you can't do that. Why, why would you go that route? Or that's stupid. Or that doesn't make sense. It's not what they're facing. L is they're facing their own demons. They're facing their own right in a mirror. They're looking and it, and, and when they say it to you, they're really looking at themselves and they're scared out of their pants because they can't do what you're trying to do. That's right. And I now take it as a powerful thing in that yeah. interpretation versus being offended or ticked off by it. It's more now of a like, and again, I also then have compassion for that person because that's a person who doesn't believe that they can achieve their dreams. Like you said. Yeah. Right on. And, you know, doing what you did and, and, and what I did going into coaching and what a lot of people do going into, um, watch, watch shark tank, you know, on, on a Friday night and watch all these people who risked everything. What, what it takes is courage and bravery. And th- th- there's no getting around that. You know, you want to do what you love. I'm letting you and everybody else know it's going to take some guts. You need some guts and you're going to need some hard work. So if you're going to wait on the couch and, you know, you and I talked about it sometimes. That's where people mistake what law of attraction really is. They, you know, with the secret coming out and making it mainstream, a lot of people, you know, they kind of felt like, oh, I'll just write a list and I'll tell the universe what I want and I'll sit back on my couch and I'll wait for the doorbell to ring and all my riches and my new cars and bicycles will show up. That's not how it works because the word action is in law of attraction, if you notice. And I've, you know, you notice that and I tell all my clients that and they go, oh, yeah, there it is there you got to get up and it takes guts and and stamina and you've got to stand in the face of all these people that are telling you, you can't do something. But like we just said, as long as we recognize and other people that are going into the venture that we went through, as long as they recognize that it's their own stuff and it's their own fears and it's their own, their own issue dealing with that. Wow. Someone else is actually being brave. We can put that, like you said, in a silo somewhere and say, "Eh, that's just them. Let's go do Thanks for sharing. Let's go do our thing now. We'll really make them jealous, like you said. <laughs> well, it's a. Uh, it's also. I mean, on a really weird another level, it's kind of similar to, I guess, with like the 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 two drinking buddies, and then one quits the drinking. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the other person is like, wait, yeah, they're wait, not be friends anymore, <laughs> right? Probably. They're like, wait, I'm losing. And also, there's something about a fear in them having to recognize that it may be a problem for them too, and that's something no one yeah. wants to look at, and that that also often happens with. Those kind of scenarios. It, it's hard. I, I also, again, I, I'll share with you something because it was so meaningful for me. And, and you know, I even posted it on my Facebook page. They, I, I read, I, I think, I want to say, I don't want to say Jim Rohn, but I want to say somebody, somebody like that said, we are the, we are the compilation of the five people we hang around the most. And what you're saying and what I've learned to be true about it is that 
you know, when you go to do something brave and you, and you have courage and you're going to take a step, a lot of people that were in your life may fall off the map. And, and that's sad. And, and some people, for some people, Elle, it's too much. They can't take it. You know, it's like, no, I can't lose that friend. I've, I've known them for 30 years and yeah, but they've been dragging you down for 30 years. So, so friends and acquaintances and things will change, but the universe will give you the people and the situations that you need to, to, make your opportunity happen, but you you may have to let go of some things and it's hard for people. Yeah. And that does happen. I've talked about it with other coaches on here that as you get into this new way of thinking and you're examining your thoughts and you're changing your, your thought paradigm there, you start to recognize the past old yucky self of yours and others and your friends and things like that, or some people. And it can be tough because a, sometimes trying to project and proselytize positivity to someone can backfire. So sometimes people get really excited about this way of being, it's working for them. And then they want to impart it on others. And that can be, I've run into that. I've learned that you have to just kind of wait for people to come to you. And also that some friendships will fall by the wayside, but I also used law of attraction to manifest more friends that felt like I did about life. I literally did that. I put that on a list. And I'm like, I want to meet more people who think like I do about the world. And if they're not familiar with like technical law of attraction principles, et cetera, then I want them to be just naturally positively changed. And I also put in there that I wanted friends that were not heavy drinkers because I, I don't like hanging out with, with drunks. Um, but, and literally uh, like three, four people came into my life and it turns out they were kind of all around me and I didn't even notice it. Mm, Yeah, you know, they were like people in the company I hadn't really hung out and talked to because I worked remotely and never really got to know. Or, you know, or as a new friend showed up, I met at the bank and then like we went hiking or and I actually literally found new and interesting friends that were exactly what I was in line with that kind of made up for some of the people that fell by the wayside. Yeah. Yeah. Most of the, most of the people who are in, you know, traditional jobs that they don't love going to and, you know, they're surrounded by people who, even though they may love them and for certain reasons, they may like certain things about them. These, most people are surrounded by people that are dragging them down. And like we said, Al, everything is a choice and and you've done it. You have to choose. You have to sometimes make some very, very brave and tough choices about who, you know, I, I start to question, you know, who I spend five minutes with these days. And I don't like to waste five minutes anymore. I'm sure you're the same because life is busy. And when you're doing something big and you're on a path that requires your focus and attention, I mean, you waste 10 minutes with somebody, you ain't getting those 10 minutes back. So. Yeah. And there were times and I'm sure people, um, and I forgot it was actually, you know what, it might've even been the Christian pastor, Joel Osteen, who I'm not a Christian. I don't actually subscribe to any organized religion, but he has had some very positive, affirmative, you know, audiobooks, And I have uh, listened to one of them and he was talking about how, you know, I would spend like an hour, let's say talking to someone, you have that same conversation over and over again. He's like, who are you spending your time with people who are helping themselves? You're like, how many hours are you wasting on that one friend? Who's not going anywhere, not doing anything, or still having the same conversation, right? There's got to be some movement there because it's a waste of time in some ways. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be there for your friends, but you know what I'm talking about, long chronic stuff like that, where, you know, that's an hour of your time. And it's like, I I had to start to cut that down and go, all right, I'm not going to pick up the phone every time that person calls because I know what that's going to be. And you start to limit it and you start to kind of pare it down. And then, you know, you've got more time on your hands for really useful thinking. 
Yeah, well, some people, like you were mentioning, they, they think they're a martyr and they think if they, you know, it's almost like a duty. Like, I know I know this person's dragging me down, but I got to hang around to help them. Well, trust me when I tell you this, you're, you're not helping them by hanging them around and basically keeping them down. You leaving them could actually, even though it may not seem it at the time, and I don't mean leaving them like, you know, you cut ties and never speak to them again. But, you know, you leaving that person can actually be a help to them because, you're not enabling them anymore. I mean, and that's, you talked about drinking, you know, we're enabling, sometimes we enable friends to stay down because we listen and we go, oh yeah, yeah, I understand it. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah, yeah. No, get off your butt. And what do you really want? And start creating it. Yeah. And on that note of sort of just even codependency with either friendships or relationships, I've known it, I've, I've experienced it in the past when you're a helpful person and you're a cheerleading positive person. Sometimes in life, I'll, I've learned my lesson with this. I, you know, you, you kind of take on a project, you know, you, yeah, <laughs> you take on a project, whether it be like a boyfriend or someone, you're like, Hey, come with me. I can help you. I can cheerlead you. And then what you do is you end up spending a lot of time helping someone else with their life. And that is a distraction from your life. Right. And it's not to say you can't, I mean, you and I both help people with their lives, but on, you know, this is a different level. And so, you know, in a way, like on that enabling and codependency thing, you're not only not helping them, but at the end of the day, this is just going to go round and round until someone, you know, puts the foot down. Can I share a quick story with you about a coaching client? Yes, as many as possible. I love hearing these. Well, no, I won't name I won't name her. She was a female, but I want to let you know based around what you said. And this is I mean, this will sound, you know, it'll, it'll sound like it sounds. Anyway, she came to me. She was actually diagnosed with breast cancer. She had been going to doctors the traditional route. They wanted her to do chemo. And I, I forgot if she had started with chemo. I'm not sure if she did or didn't. I don't remember. But, you know, the traditional routes of, you know, here's how we do cancer. Anyway, she got to a point where she wasn't feeling good. She called me and she said, nothing's helped me, Jeff. I, I know you're a law of attraction life coach. Um, and I want to try to do a, a non-traditional way of seeing if, you know, what I can do about this cancer. I'm not doing chemo. She did definitely, you know, not doing chemo or not doing it again. I don't remember which, but she was coming off chemo. She was not doing anything with traditional doctors. So I coached her for about five months on the law of attraction, on training her thoughts to create what she was looking to do to be cancer free. After five months, she went to her doctor and she was cancer free. So, you know, I get goosebumps. Pretty cool story. It's so amazing. Well, well, here's the thing, though. And, I want- and that's another reason why I want to bring you on, because this mind-body connection, you know, it's very important. We know there's, there, there's absolute science behind it. Totally. Yeah, our, our, our cells regenerate. Science has shown, I think it's every seven years. I'm not a scientist, but I think every seven years, every, every cell in our entire body regenerates. So. And on that note, in the book, The Intention Experiment by Lynn McTaggart, they do a series of tests on cancer cells and Petri dishes, and they have a variety of very experienced worldly healers. And each healer took a Petri dish of the same cancer cells, and you know, one sent the intention to like kill the cancer cells, right? And then the other sent the intention to the Petri dish on not only just the thought and intention of reducing the cancer cells, but then they had the whole just restore the body to its perfect state of health and balance, like that kind of... And they're all all sorts of, there were like four different modalities and the one that worked and reduced the cancer cells and shrunk them by 40%. And I forget, I should actually know this because I'm bringing it up, but there was, it was a combination. It was a combination of really the end result of restoring the body to its natural state of balance, which is really a let the universe do it kind of declaration, as well as something about 
imagining not them killing the cancer cells, but having them shrinking as well. So there was a duel and that one worked the most. And the other ones didn't like when they, the healer was hating on the cancer cells, like that one didn't do it. It was a combination, which makes total sense because it was, you know, the, also the positive end result that, that worked in that scenario. And I recently, um, and I've, uh, I don't even know if I told you, I've, I've mentioned it a couple times, uh, maybe not even on this podcast, but I will be talking about it more and more because for the first time in 13 years, I've been off thyroid medication for three months. This happened after my book was published. It was unintentional, accidental, but when it started to happen and my own thyroid came back, I immediately went back to some guided self-help like meditation CDs about mind-body healing because even though I wasn't in a state of correcting something, something was being corrected and I wanted to continue to fuel that energy in the positive way. So it can be used, right? Not just to, I'm in a state of illness and I need to repair it. But also if you even want to just continue a positive train that's going as well. And so I, I constantly, even myself, I'm dipping into those things. And, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if I didn't intend it, but as I started to realize it was happening, I changed my thoughts where I didn't think it could ever happen in my life to, okay, I think this is a possibility and now I need to focus on that and keep that generated. And so far, so great. I'm feeling great and it's kind of a medical somewhat impossibility that I'm even off thyroid hormones after 13 years. So, you know, I guess I even proved my book a little bit more, which I you know, didn't think would happen for me. Um, but that was something where I constantly, you know, these, and, and they're out there for people, right? You can go to YouTube, look, look at some guided meditations. You know, you don't necessarily need to call a coach, even though that would probably really do the job, but you do some energy healing too, right? You're, I know you're, you've been into that. I have not actually called you for that specifically, but can you talk about that? Because I know you, you're involved in some energy work as well. Yeah, I do. I, I am certified at pranic energy healing, and, and I did take a, a pretty intensive course around that. And I kind of modified it. You know, as I, you know, they give you all the techniques and it's sweeping. It's like using your hand. It's a no touch form of, of healing where, well, like Reiki, I don't know if you're familiar, but people that are familiar with Reiki, the, the practitioners actually putting, putting their hands on your body. With pranic energy healing, you're about six inches. You never touch the person. So it's a little more comfortable. And what you do is, you know, I create a, I create a white light of energy as I'm sweeping somebody and I create the intention that I am sweeping their aura or energy field. And I, you know, some, some of your listeners may be going like, well, that's a little out there. It works. Trust me when I tell you, oh my God, I've, I've helped people that have had major back pain for years going to the chiropractor and I've done one or two pranic energy healing sessions on them. And they said, my back doesn't hurt anymore. Or, or that night they might say, my back still hurts, Jeff. This didn't work. But the next day it doesn't happen right away. I'll sometimes the next day they'll call and say, Jeff, I don't know what you did, but I don't have pain in my back. And so, uh, any kind of energy healing, like you said, it's, it's, it's harnessing the energy of the universe, Ellen. I mean, I've shared it. I, I would love to share just one thing. I mean, I've shared this. We have five senses. We have our sight, hearing, uh, touch, taste, smell. My God, Elle, our, 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 we think it's the, it's, 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 oh, we got it. We got it made. Look how much I can see. Look how much I can look at all these sense, sensory perceptions I can feel. We don't, our senses are so limited. There is so much else out there going on, you know, that you can't see or hear or touch. And, and if you can tap, if we can all tap into that energy and just make it work a tiny bit, if we can move the dial a tiny bit for us, like some of these energy healing modalities do, my God, we could, you know, we could heal every disease on the planet. 
I love it. Let's, I'd love to hear some more. Oh, actually, you know what? I'll ask you this. So I know you're also into for the couples out there that might yeah. want to coach. Um, give us a maybe example of a, a couple that came to you and was has struggling with a rough situation and really did a 180. I had, I had one couple in the Carolinas that I can distinctively remember that they were having pretty, pretty intense marital issues. I mean, she was a very strong personality, very, you know, controlled the conversations, very chatty, very, you know, it was all about her, you know, in the relationship, but she was also very insecure, needy. She, she sought a lot of attention and she could be very negative as a person. Her husband, on the other hand, very introverted, quiet, you know, once you'd get him out of his shell, he wasn't so quiet, but the quiet, you know, the kind of type that you could ro- roll all over him. And they were, they were at a point in their marriage where it was, you know, I don't know if it was really toward the end, but I got the vibe when they came to me, like it's, it's, we either make something happen or we're out of this marriage. Um, you know, he was non-drama. She was, everything was drama. Um, she felt he wasn't a good listener, emotional. So we went through couples coaching and we sat, you know, together for, I would say we did it in about five or six sessions. So that's to your point about how fast coaching can work. And the main gist of what I got them to understand about out of the coaching was that, you know, they had come to perceive each other in a certain way that was so ingrained, just like we talked about with career L there's common themes to this, you know, your audience going to hear this common themes. Um, they were ingrained to see the other person as this person is this, that, and labeling them, you know, as all oh, they're just like this, they always do that. And I opened up to them a world that what if you saw your spouse in a different light? What if you could look at them and say that she's not insecure, but she has real concerns and maybe just listen to her? And, you know, so the whole process was getting getting them to get to know each other in a brand new way, getting them out of the past, which is what landmark you would ask what landmark education is all about. That's what I got from them getting them out of the past and and things that they had created and that had just become old hat to them and using each present moment as a brand new moment. And to this day, I mean, I look at pictures of them on Facebook. It's it's eight, 10 years later. I still see pictures of them now. And, you know, Facebook is Facebook. Everybody can post. But I can see a real genuine, authentic love that they share. And, and it's, oh, that's it's so cool. nice. And that, that's like a gift that'll keep on giving for you, whether you're, you're not still coaching them, but there you are seeing the results Absolutely of that. Absolutely. No. And, and I don't take any, you have to be humble in this business. Al. I don't take any, even the, the I was going to tell you about the client I coached with breast cancer. You know, everybody said to me, that is so awesome. You must feel so proud that you cured her cancer. They, they, did, the, they did the work. You showed them yeah, how to yeah, do the work. Like, yeah. No, 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 no. And I said, I was the, I was an instrument for her to tap into her own energy and help her to heal. And same thing with this couple. I was an instrument that just was able to use what I learned and my training to help them to understand that you're living in the the past, folks. You gotta understand that you're you're passing all these present moments by, and they're wasting, and they're just turning it. You know, Landmark has a great way to put it. They say what people do, L, is we've got like this big baggage on our back. We carry a bag around the. Uh, you know, with us, like this baggage. And what most people do is they take that bag and they heave it over their shoulder and they throw it right out there in front of them again. And they walk right into all the shit. That's, that's how it was explained. 
And I like it. Yeah, so it's clearing that space. It's like drop the baggage. Don't throw it out in front of you once and see what happens. Just go with the clearing, you know. Don't don't put it out there again. Just clear it out for a day. Don't don't do anything you would normally do with your spouse or significant other or friend or father or mother. Don't treat them that way for one day. Treat them in a completely different way and watch what shows up for you. It's amazing, Al. Yeah, it is amazing. And back to the couple, you know, who had these like preconceived ingrained stories about each other. I, I like that example because, you know, a lot of people, when you grow up in families are labeled by parents. Like I have a friend who was kind of like labeled the brat, right? So, and that kind of carried through. And sometimes parents, family members who can trigger us like no one else usually, uh, can bring something up from the past where like they'll, they'll throw out a label from when you were a kid and you're like, I'm not that person anymore, dude. I clean my room now. Like, hello, I'm an adult. You know, it could be (laughs) like, it could be kind of annoying. You know what I mean? Cause you're like, I'm not like freaking 10 anymore. Like stop. Or, or even an old friend. Like I've had a situation where I saw a friend from high school from like a long time ago. Clearly I am like a totally different person than I was then. And they said something like, oh yeah, that's so you to do something like that. And I got like, I was kind of offended, you know, because I yeah. mean, you know, at the time and I was like, what, that's not, I don't even, I, you don't even know me anymore. Like, why would you? And you know what I mean? So again, like these labels, not either coming at you or what we put on other people are just like these stories. And again, you know, sometimes they can be changed. Maybe sometimes not. Maybe the story about have someone is accurate and you shouldn't hang out with them. Um, but again, I, I do believe we can open up. I've, I've been able to enjoy certain family members or other people more despite some of these things that may still kind of come up, but they don't bother me anymore. I'm not offended by them anymore. I just go, oh, they're still stuck in some old story of me and whatever, let them have it. Who cares? That's just great. And I was going to, yeah, no, that's just great. And a great way to handle it is just recognize that it's them, but keep this in mind too, Ellen. And again, I know you know this, but keep it in mind that they're not just stuck in some old pattern of you, which is why they do it. They're stuck themselves. And that's where the compassion comes in. So when they still treat you in that way, it's because if you ever change from being that whatever label it was that they gave you, if you ever change from that, that's either going to force them to face themselves and change or it's going to force them to lose you. And so they don't want either of those options, perhaps. Right. And I feel like the more you get into the self-introspection and looking at your own life and changing it, then the more compassionate you are for other people. I feel like I've become even more compassionate because I can now see when someone's doing that with themselves over there, you know, and I can go, oh, and instead of judging them for it, it's more of a like, you know, I hope, you know, I kind of put out some vibes for them. Like, oh, I hope, you know, hope they figure that out. Or if I can help them in any way, I will. And so I feel like it even makes you more compassionate and I don't, and, and less offended. Do you know what I mean? Because you're coming from a place of compassion. I'm calling you for a session later because compassion <laughs> is something. I have struggled with compassion my whole life because as a coach, you know, it's one of, it's my Achilles heel. And you may or may not know this about me. All my, my Achilles heel in coaching is I try so hard to give people value. And, and you know that part because, I mean, I'm, you know, very generous with time and I go over and pricing and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty generous with all that stuff. So to me, value is so important. But there's a part of me as a coach that still, I, I don't know if it's trust or compassion, but it's like I'm still not trusting my clients are going to get the value that I want them to give. So when they don't, you know, when they don't get to the place that I know they could be at, I take it personally. And it's one of my things that, oh, my God, I just have to I have to have compassion with them. But remember that mirror? I have to have compassion with me, too. Right. Because, again, like we said earlier, you're not the one that actually can forcefully change anyone. Anyway, it is them and you're not going to get all winners, you know. 
No, but it's again, you know, it's this thing I love to get I'm in my own life. I love to get good value in things. So when I buy something, you know, I, I want to get good value out of it. And I'm really conscious of giving good value to my clients. And sometimes, you know, it, it does take some work for me. I mean, even even doing it for as long as I've been coaching, you know, well over a decade, uh, it takes a lot for me. When I have a client that doesn't move, I beat myself up and I say, what could I have done better? What, you know, maybe I didn't ask them the right question. Maybe I, no, you know what? In the long term, they keep calling me. So I'm doing something right. Everyone always says that. Do they keep calling? I'm like, yeah, they keep calling me. Well, then you're doing something right because they wouldn't keep spending money with you if you're not doing something for them. And it's just letting it go. Like you said, having compassion that it might not be the right time for them and just being there for them. And sometimes that's what coaching is. And it's the part I struggled with, you know. Tell us how one can work with you. So I know, you know, you do, do you offer a, like a free consultation or a discounted like consultation for people to check you out and and have a little mini session with you or how does. Oh, I do. I've, I've turned down people. I turn down more people now than ever. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Don't be afraid to call me. I, I accept a lot more than I turn down, but I turn down people because yeah, there has to be a match. Not only it's not just about, you know, I want to take a coaching fee from you. That's, that's so not what it's about. It's about if you're not, if you're not in the right space, like if somebody calls me, I'll give you an example now, El, if somebody calls me and says, Hey, I'm calling you to make, I, I, I want to make more money in my life. There is a 90% chance that I will not coach them as a client because I don't coach money. It's not what, if that, if I find out, if we dig a little bit, I might do a comp session with them. And if I dig and it's really all about all they're concerned with is money, they will not be my client. So, um, it's really about finding a match between, you know, coach and, and client and developing a long-term relationship, at least long-term in the sense of they're going to stick with me for 90 days or six months so they can actually make some progress. But I do offer individual sessions. I offer um, a nine-session a nine package. I, I, I customize things for what works for each individual pretty much. Right. And some of those packages, um, because I remember when I first worked with you and I wanted to kind of go intensive and I did, I don't know, a, a package with you. And, and within that, there was some emailing back and forth, clearly not like long diatribes and, you know, novels back and forth, but there were a few things where I'd email you and I'd be like, Hey, this is going on. Any thoughts on this? And you would respond. Do you still do some email correspondence in between? Uh, yeah, that's part of all of them. If I take on an individual coaching client, I mean, a lot of the work in the sessions, what we don't want to happen in coaching is you have a session with somebody and you have a great 45 minutes or so with them and, and you hang up the phone and they're feeling super like, oh my God, that was the best thing ever. You know, that was what a great session. And then 10 minutes later, they're back to their old life and then they don't do anything until the next session. So no, there's, there's assignments, there are, uh, and not coaching assignments, as you know, Al, from, from working as a coach and being a client, just like me, they're not assignments where, you know, a coach is going to say, you have to do this. Oh, no, it has to be an assignment. And I check in that that the client wants to do and is excited about doing. That's the key. And and the email support is part of that, because I tell people it's unlimited. It's part of the coaching fee. Any you can email me never, which I which I will yell at you if you email me never. I, I won't yell in a loud voice, but I'll get on you if you don't email me and keep in touch. You, you know that about me, probably. Yep. 
Um, Definitely here to say that's true. And, and, and if we need to email a hundred times a day, you know, maybe it's too much, but you know, I'll let you know why it's too much at that point. Maybe you're not moving or you're not doing what you're, you know, you're, you're procrastinating or something, but the email consultation is it's, Oh, it's included and encouraged. That's the big one. So now how do we, how do we get in touch with you? Well, obviously in the show notes, put links to your Facebook, et cetera, but how do we find you on social media? And also how do we reach out to you if we're interested in checking you out as a coach and seeing if you're a fit? My company is Life Purpose U. My website is going through a transition now, so it's all good. But my my telephone number is nine five one seven seven shine, and my company is Life Purpose U. The letter U, like university, and um, uh, you can reach me at lifepurposeu.com. And my email address is shine at life purpose u, like sunshine. S H I N E at life purpose and u the letter u dot com. Great. Um, well, I hope people reach out to you and it's, and if, at the very least, maybe some people have really, uh, started to get the wheels turning from this conversation. And I just want to impress upon everybody to do this work. It's been a life changer for me. And whether it's Jeff or another coach, if you're stuck in life and you feel like there's some limited happiness, I would suggest anyone do a little research online and try out a couple of sessions with some coaches like Jeff and others, uh, to see how you can help. There's anything else you'd like to leave our audience with on the subject of coaching. Yeah, I, I was going to say on just what you said, I do mostly career life purpose. What's your calling? I do real, you know, that's my intensive work right now. So if you do want to coach in another area, I have a ton of coaching cl- colleagues that I can refer you to. But definitely if you're interested in uh, developing a career that will make your heart sing, that is my passion, get in touch. And uh, it's just been an honor and a privilege Elle, to know you over all these years. And um, we will meet one day. I was in California. That's the sad part. I lived in California for five I know, years. And I never, I never drove down and saw you. When we're across the country, yeah, we had an excuse. But then when I moved, I, it's all on me. You know, it's all I. I just I'm busy and I. I well, I think also I was probably going through some hypothyroid weirdness during that time, and maybe I just was in a homebody hermit mode where I just didn't feel like getting out as much. Too that could have been part of it. Some, you know, there's certainly that part of my life where some things I wasn't as outgoing. <laughs> and I told L before the conversation. Conversation. We chatted just for a minute and I told her I wore my Cali shirt today for her. And I even asked her, I even asked her, I said, do you want to do it on camera so we can finally see each other live? And she said, it's like, it's like 430 in the morning here, Jeff. No <laughs> yeah, way. Like, I just woke I up. I really, yeah. totally appreciate you getting up so early. That's really what I was saying. Well, you know what? We should do that. Actually, we'll just have a private Skype call at some point so we yeah. can talk to each other live. Actually, I would let me tell you, let that. me tell you, I've seen Elle and I've seen me and it's nine, you know, it was 930 in the morning here and, and you would have looked a hell of a lot better than I looked at whatever time it was for you. Trust me. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll leave the show on that note. Uh, no, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for joining us again. Um, love you. So happy to have you in my life. And I hope people are inspired to, you know, realize that your dreams can be fulfilled and you just got to take that first step. And maybe that's with a life coach or, um, also just real quick, any top couple of books on this kind of subject, if people are interested in delving into it? I mean, obviously we mentioned The Secret. I think The Secret audiobook is great as a sort of an intro. Uh, any other authors that really stand out to you that you love? I like, yeah, I would love to share just a couple real quick. I mean, I have a guy that I just started reading a couple of years ago. His name is Richard Leiter, L-E-I-D-E-R. He has a book called The Power of Purpose. It's find meaning, live longer, better. Nice. Um, 
he but he devotes you know he devotes and then again this is just for your for your listeners who who want to delve deeply into the life purpose and figuring out what they're meant to do this is a guy that this is his life calling is to teach people about that stuff so it's a it's a you know most people would not have heard of him but find him he's worth it um for mainstream, I, I I like Brendan Burchard. I mean, he's a guy that I don't. I'm not into the whole, you know, I'm not into the whole rah rah, jump up and down, wave our hands. You know, I'm into let's do the work more than that. But he's a, you know, he's one of those guys that his messages are very good. And and I I read a book. I read a, a lot of his books, but The Millionaire Messenger is a book that I read because it teaches us that everybody has a message that we could get out there and we can put it into a business and we can have the world want to pay for what our message is. So that's the practical side of the money that we talk about. You know, he kind of helps you through not only determining what your passion is, but putting a financial thing behind it so you can actually get out there and do what you do. Nice. I love those are good recommendations. And then there's a, there's an author, Sanaya Roman, S-A-N-A-Y-A and Roman, R-O-M-A-N. And she's got some channel books and, you know, there's a book called Creating Abundance, create, uh, Spiritual Growth, but she channels a spiritual guide named Oren and it's a lot about the law of attraction and it's in a way where y- you can't help but even if you're not a believer, L, you and you and I are, but even if you're not, some of the stuff that Oren talks about, you, you can't help but feel that this this message is channeled from a place other than earth, which is really cool. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of the Seth material and the Seth works, which is yes, also yeah. a channel entity. In fact, I just took the Seth online intensive course, I think, for the third year in a row, and um, it's one of my favorite set of philosophical books uh, as well. So I would, I'm really interested in these recommendations, and I haven't heard of them. So I will also put those in the show show notes and links to those books on Amazon. Thank you so much again for joining us. I hope you have a great day, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Alan. I love you too. I heard you say it. And I really, again, just appreciate everything you are in my life. Thanks. Hi, folks. Mark Sisson here. And I'd like to tell you about my biggest undertaking yet, the Primal Health Coach Program. My mission is to create a global network of primal health coaches to help transform the health and consciousness of our communities into ones of optimal wellness and happiness. Becoming a primal health coach empowers you to take your primal passions to the next level and embark on a career you love, inspiring others to live lives of vitality and lasting wellness. If you dream of a career in health coaching but have been held back by worries, such as the investment of time and money, then I encourage you to hesitate no longer. Health coaching is the fastest-growing specialty in all of coaching. And we've created an online education program that allows you to learn from the comfort of your own home and at your own pace. The world needs primal health coaches to provide a blend of ancestral wellness solutions to the modern health crisis. The world needs you. Are you ready to become one of the world's most trusted, experienced, and knowledgeable health coaches? To learn more about this online certification program and to take the first step toward a career you love, visit PrimalHealthCoach.com and subscribe.